So this month, the month of January, we're in a, in a, in a one-off series called Choose Your Life. And what this is is really a vision series for you as a follower of Jesus and for families and households that follow Jesus to maybe make some, some uh, kind of resolutions or some new steps or some new commitments to yourself. So last week, we talked about the reality that Jesus doesn't just forgive sin, but that he invites us to allow him to restore us, to restore us to who we were created to be. And we talked about the fact that we started life generally fairly well. Maybe we're at our best when we're two and three and four. Uh, and then it's kind of all downhill from there. No. Uh, then things can get rough, and uh, especially for some more than others. So, Peter, would you go ahead and advance that? So, here's a picture I told you about. Oh. Uh, that's me. This was me at my best. About five years. I'm so cute, right? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, mom, that's enough. <laughs> I put that up there just so to make to ask you to think a little bit. I know I saw some blogs this week and I saw some posts, and you were still thinking about what we talked about, and, and it was kind of sinking in, and that was good to see. And I'm just wondering today if, if anybody's got just a short story of something you thought of, or, or how you or how the Spirit took this further with you this week, just recognizing this call and this invitation to be a child again, to be that eight-year-old Brian who was full of whatever you were full of. I don't, what, was, what were you full of at eight, at eight years old? Energy. Energy. Okay. How's that going? <laughs> it's getting there. With a little child, that can be a challenge, right? Yeah. Anybody have a story from this last week? Yeah, let me give you a mic so we get it on tape and everyone hears you. <laughs> I guess it's not tape. <laughs> we can get it recorded. I don't, I don't really have a story, but the one thing that sticks out in my mind is that I still, um, as, as far as the wisdom that I've gained and the rest of uh, other men that are older that I've known, uh, in, uh, we've, relatively speaking, compared to God who's been around forever... I still feel like a child compared to him hmm. in his wisdom. And I think I will be until I die, just in comparison to him as a father. He just has this so much more wisdom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, and hopefully that's the one thing we return to. A lot of the difficulty that we've experienced as we grew up was people that we trusted that were in authority, we found out weren't perfect. And that authority often got used uh, in ways that, that we even knew as a child wasn't right. And somehow we recognized it because God writes his law and he writes eternity on the hearts of every human. And so even as small children, we kind of know, wow, this is weird. I'm not sure what's going on here. This doesn't feel right. And so we have legitimate reasons to question authority and to kind of pull in and to realize I need to protect myself a little bit. But Jesus invites us to take courage again and to trust again. And especially because of who God is, as Nate says, we can trust him fully. He will never use that authority to abuse us or to cause us pain or harm, but only to, to bring us good, to cause us to grow. So all of that, remember all of that, be encouraged by all of that. So today we're going to get really practical and talk about rhythms in life, another how-to, 
how to walk with Jesus, how to live in the fullness of Christ. So let's ground this in a scripture. Uh, I'm going to read a couple of verses here from Romans, Romans 1 and 2. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you teach us from the scriptures, that you help us understand what we don't, that you share the Father's great wisdom with us, and we ask you to share that wisdom with us now. I pray for a word for each one of us, what we need today to understand and to know to know you better and to follow Jesus better. So teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul writes at the end of a letter, and you know Romans is his most complete letter. He had never met the Roman church or the Christians in Rome. So he used this letter as an opportunity to kind of give him everything he knew. So he lays out a very uh, full and very well-written theology and understanding of God, what God has done about humans and who they are and what they've done and how God has come to set us free from sin, from brokenness, from death. So at the end of all of that theology, he writes this. He says, so because of all that God has done, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And when Paul says body, he means more than just the physical body, but in, in essence, all of yourself. Your body is where your spirit, your soul resides, and he really is saying, give your whole self to God based on what he's done. Yep. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This verse is reminiscent of our conversation last week. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. And again, it's not a person you've never been, but it's the person you started out to be. God wants to renew us into the person he created us to be. I want to clarify that I'm not suggesting that when you were a child that you were sinless. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying that in in our youth, there's more of the image of God that seems to be present than sin, but then sin, like any sickness, begins to grow and take over, and so God is willing and wants to transform us back into the person that we were, and a lot of that has to do with transforming the way we think, but what I want to land on this morning is to talk about this idea of don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but be transformed Peter, let's go to the next verse. In Ephesians, he says something else that's even more specific. He says, so be very careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. What Paul is encouraging all Christians to do is to be intentional about the way we live, to be deliberate and to think through how we spend our time. There are a lot of defaults in our world, different things that we can follow to live according to whatever's going on. And so we can follow trends, we can follow moods, we can follow perspectives, we can follow the news, we can follow each other, uh, we can follow our president on Twitter. Uh, So many things that we can follow 
And what Paul is encouraging us is to not follow any of those things, but actually to follow God in Jesus Christ and just be intentional and deliberate about the way we live. I would suggest that that's hardest to do as, a, as an American because there are so many options in our culture of things to follow and of ways to live. And a lot of them are actually quite pleasant. A lot of them are fun. A lot of them are interesting and curious. Uh, a lot of them feed who we are as humans. They're affirming. They're encouraging. You know, you make that post, and then you check in an hour later, and there's 35 people liked it. And, well, that felt kind of good. Somebody's paying attention to me today. Uh, and yet, we, we all know that that's a pretty shallow bit of affirmation, right? It may not be any affirmation at all. And God is calling us to something that is so much richer and fuller. And that's where we want to go today. So, Paul says, be very careful how you live. And what I want to suggest today is that we, again, especially in America, have tremendous freedom to use our days and our time and our hours and our minutes the way we want, to a large extent. Now, granted, we have jobs and obligations, but generally we choose those, and they are for our favor. But I, would want, I want to talk especially today about discretionary time, all that time outside of the time that's obligated for us, and how do we spend that time. Paul suggests that we be very careful, and he says the days are evil. Now, that's a dark way to say it. Uh, I think another way we could say it is that the days are, are corrupt, and so the ways that humans spend their time without the wisdom of God and without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, they're all over the map. And so we spend discretionary time doing things that are good and things that are not good, things that are loving, things that are unloving. And Paul is suggesting that we be deliberate. And I want to suggest to you an even higher level of deliberateness. So back in the 6th century, there was a young man named Benedict. Benedict lived in the city of Rome, and he uh, was a believer, and he was a fairly well-off, and so he could choose the lifestyle that he wanted. But he was so fed up with the evil of the days that he actually chose to go live in a cave for several years. And his goal was to get away from the corruption and to live a holy life for God. And so he lived in this cave. He spent a lot of time praying. And there were some monks that knew he was there, and so they fed him. And he enjoyed, I would say, a refreshment of his soul and of his heart and of his mind. But over time, God said, I don't want you to spend your whole life this way. I actually have some purpose for you, and I haven't really called you to just be a hermit and hide away. This time has been good that we've been able to connect and we've gone deeper, and now you're, you're very in tune to my spirit, and that's good. But I really have called you to serve the world and not to hide from it. And so Benedict decided if he was going to get re-engaged with culture and reconnected with the world, he wanted to put in his life a very deliberate rhythm that kept him walking with God as closely as he did while he lived in the cave. So he created what he called a rule of life. And he said, these are the habits that I'm going to continue to practice so that as I live in this world, I can stay well aware of the will of God, and I can stay well in tune with the Holy Spirit, and I can be the man of God that I want to be. 
And so he created what he called a rule of life. What he discovered is that many, many humans were looking for something like this. So over his lifetime, he established 12 different monasteries in Europe, uh, throughout Italy, and other parts of, of that part of Europe. And over time, thousands of young men and women got involved in these monasteries as nuns and priests, and they chose to create a rule of life. And this idea has blossomed tremendously since then. So let's talk a little bit about a rule of life. Here's a definition um, that I made up, but I think it's really good. <laughs> so a rule of life is a rhythm of spiritual disciplines which I choose to practice as a way of following Jesus in every aspect of my life. Now, we, you already have a rule of life. You already have a rhythm of things that you practice to follow God. Uh, you, you may not have written it down. And you may not even have thought of it, but let's think about it a little bit right now. What are some of the practices that we have regularly in our lives that keep us in step with the Spirit? We're practicing one of them right now. <laughs> Church, worship, and Bible teaching. And we have set aside Sunday mornings as a default for us to come and get together and do what we're doing. So that is a rhythm of a spiritual discipline which we choose to practice as a way of following Jesus in this particular aspect of life. What are some more rhythms that you have that you can say confidently, yeah, I practice this? Prayer, prayer. yeah. What's the specific one of the rhythms for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and about how often does that happen? Uh, well, it seems to make it pretty frequent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so at least daily. So along the way, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it sounds like you're actually talking about multiple moments throughout the day. I, admit I pray quickly. I'm a quick prayer girl. Yeah, quick is good sometimes, right? There's a lot of biblical quick prayers that were thrown up. Okay, so praying throughout the day. Yeah, what else? Yeah, in the script. So what's a rhythm for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I sent out to you guys a schedule I'm using uh, this year. I chose to just go through the Gospels. I wanted this for me to be a year of just drawing close to Jesus. So I took the Gospels and the New Testament, and I spread them out over the year, but I'm only reading five days a week, and I'm only reading one chapter. But I'm actually going a little deeper. I'll read it over two or three times and do a little Lectio Divina. So, yeah, a rhythm of the scriptures. What else? Those are the nice, solid basics. Yeah, Carl? Yeah, what does that look like for you, Carl? Yeah, yeah. And I love the word. Sure, yeah. And then I would imagine there's probably a little bit of interaction involved there when you see things to... To pray, to reflect. Yeah, for sure. Jonathan? For sure. Cool. So you're putting your phone away in the evening when you come home and just being free from that. So that's your discipline. Awesome. Yeah.
So you're saying to your buddies, I finished the reading for yeah. the day? Okay. Yeah. And we're all reading different things. You just say, I read God's word. Cool. So accountability yeah. through the phone. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, and you notice that these are by choice, and they're not for pride, and they're not out of obligation, but you, we all know that if I do this, I'll be living more of the life I want to live today and this week if I do what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, anything else? Those are all fantastic. Yeah. Lee? Mm-hmm. That'll wax anointing. Right. Hmm. Yeah. You mind if I mention your story about changing jobs for that purpose? Yeah, Lee and I had coffee quite a few months ago, and one of the things he told me is once he discovered the reality of God in his life, that God was more than dogma and theology, but actually a living God who wanted an ongoing relationship, uh, he was experiencing this waxing and waning, and he would go to work and be walking with God well, but by 10 o'clock, kind of lost momentum and lost track. And over a period of time, he was talking to God about how hard this was because of his job. And the word came to him, well, why don't you quit your job? And he did. He was working at Intel for some years and had a great job. But he literally, for the sake of his own spirituality, said, this job isn't working for me. So he became a baker with his wife and just created a, a, a rhythm of life that for you was a way to, to be more attentive to God throughout the day. <laughs> okay. Wow. Uh huh. And it's changed your life, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and I just think that's a wonderful model of the level of how important this really can be. I'm sure for a lot of us, we think, man, I wish I got to that, I wish I got to that, I wish I got to that. But we're actually putting off things that are, are life-giving and life-changing for the whirlwind of the, of the schedule that we live in. Let's take a look at another passage of Scripture here in Corinthians. Uh, we're going to go through, actually, here's a couple of verses. Uh, Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So a metaphor of... Uh, the Olympics here for Paul. So run to win. All athletes are discipled, disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it to get an eternal prize. And then that goes on to say in the next verses, so I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself will be disqualified. And I characterize this as the difference between trying and training. I think a lot of us, for a season, we try to be who we want to be. And we try to have these values in general, and I just want to try to do better, and I try, and trying isn't enough. No one finishes a marathon because they tried. They finish a marathon because they trained. Now, there's probably an exception to the room, and I don't want to hear about it. Generally, <laughs> generally, we train. And Paul is saying, imagine if you took that kind of commitment and that discipline 
and you applied it to your walk with God, your relationship with God, is it that important that you would be willing to discipline or train yourself like an athlete? What's the difference between trying and training? How would you characterize it? Yeah, Kevin. Okay, I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to stop. Perseverance. So I'm going to try something else. There you go. What's that? Yeah, not making exceptions to my discipline because it's inconvenient. Jonathan? Yep, we got to have a plan. We got to make some changes. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Yeah, Amy? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, a plan, absolutely. Yeah, and as I hear you all talk, I can hear that you've done this in one way or another, you know, whether it's around work or around your body, you know what it takes. Yeah, Peter? Yeah, I just think of training, like I think about learning the guitar or any other discipline. Training is a lot of trying Mm. with the intention to grow a bit each time. Yep. And to shed the things that don't work Mm -hmm. and gain the practice makes perfect. Mm -hmm. So it's just Yep, yeah. Malcolm Gladwell in his book Outliers says 10,000 hours. He says once you've done something for 10,000 hours, it's, it's pretty much a habit. Yeah, I would say for me, I think I played tennis for 10,000 hours <laughs> when I was in high school and college. And the other day, I went out to play tennis with my good friend Diego over here, and I was so happy to see that the skills were still there. And I could still do it. We had some good tennis, didn't we? We had some good long rallies, and I hurt badly for three days, but it was amazing. But because of those 10,000 hours, the muscle memory is there, and everything is there that I needed. It was just so good to see that, and that's what we're talking about. There's another axiom that says the system that you are working is perfectly designed for the results you are getting. So if we think, uh, I don't like the results that I'm getting in my walk with Jesus, The axiom is suggesting that whatever system you have is producing exactly that. That if you have weak results, you probably have a weak system. And so the encouragement is to say, let's make a change. Let's change the system. And that's really where I want to land today. So let's continue. So I mentioned spiritual disciplines as a part of a rule of life. And Uh, Think of disciplines in the positive sense of the word. It's really the word practices that I'm very committed to, that I'm disciplined about. They're not corrective. They're not punishment, although they may be painful, but they are just practices that make me the person or the the, uh, athlete or the musician that I want to be. So spiritual disciplines are regular practices that are motivated by affections that place us where the Holy Spirit can transform us To be like Jesus. Okay, that's probably not what you expected. There's something very beautiful and unique about spiritual disciplines that is not the same as physical disciplines. Physical disciplines are very simple and mechanical, and they're just based on choice and strength and our ability to do a certain thing in repetition. The beauty of spiritual disciplines is it's a partnership with God, and it's a partnership with the Holy Spirit. So a spiritual discipline isn't just rotely making sure I read my Bible for those 10 minutes every day and that's it, it's done. There's a spiritual dynamic 
in a spiritual discipline where the Holy Spirit is actually changing me in the midst of the discipline. Just as when you are running to practice, you're changing your metabolism, you're changing your muscles, making them larger, you're changing the efficiency of your body as you're running and practicing. With our spirits, the same thing is happening. There's a strength that's being created in the the discipline, and ultimately we become more like Jesus. Granted, this, and this is really important, this assumes that we are practicing the disciplines with a sense of authenticity and um, intentionality and not just empty rope practice. So there's a commitment here to making it worthwhile, but this is what a spiritual discipline is. So let me share with you just a little bit about uh, two years ago when I started this doctoral program, we were asked to create a... um, a rule of life for ourselves. And so I did what we just did. I went through the things I was already doing and I wrote them down and I was really encouraged at the number of disciplines that were already in my life. But I discovered some that I didn't have that I really wanted to put in there. And so I created a rule of life for myself. And what I found is there are some practices that we want to do daily and there's some that we want to do weekly And there's some that we want to do monthly or bi-monthly and quarterly and annually. And I think a lot of times we don't really think about that breadth of practice. And I want to encourage you to think that way now. So as I say that, what can you imagine are things that you might do weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually? That would be spiritual practices. Fast. Yeah, what, what could that look like? Like, what would be a rhythm that you could imagine for you, Katie? A social media fast? Yeah. And sounds to me like that's something you might do for a season, like a week or three days, and do that every quarter or something, just to break yourself of habits and connections. Yeah, very good. Yeah, what else? Yep. I have a pastor friend who's committed to a a monthly retreat. So he takes six hours every month, and he gets away with his Bible, and uh, he just reviews the last 30 days and prays through those and kind of evaluates how it went and asks God what he thinks, and then he looks forward to the next 30 days and prays, Father, what's important in the next 30 days? What should I commit to and what should I do? And he does that every 30 days, roughly. And for him, that's a rhythm of just obeying God and staying in the intentions of God for his life. Yeah. What else? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the the, uh, stewardship of our finances and regularly keeping them in line with where we're growing and what God's calling us to. Yeah. Family time. Time with family. Absolutely. Yes. And, and this is a good place to go, Kristen, next, is to think through where are the places that I am least happy with how I'm living? Where do I, where is it most urgent for me to grow right now? Is it in my finances? Is it in time with my family? Is it in time with God? And, and I want to challenge you, uh, this book, God in My Everything, is really a wonderful book. This is Ken Shigematsu. He's created a rule of life that includes everything in his life. So he has a rule of life for play. He has a rule of life for rest. He has a rule of life for exercise. He said, I'm just going to be disciplined about every aspect of my life because I want to be a holistic, healthy human. And so he's got rhythms. Now, granted, they're flexible. 
Um, there's no punishment involved when you fail. <laughs> there shouldn't be much guilt. This idea is to be proactive in the way that you live and not create another avenue for guilt and shame. So I'm trying to stay away from that. All right, let me share with you what are the classic disciplines. <clears throat> so um, Richard Foster has written a book, Celebration of the Disciplines. Anybody read that book? It was actually written 40 years ago. They just celebrated the 40th anniversary of it over at Fox, and Mr. Foster was there. And these are the classic disciplines that he suggests uh, have been used by believers throughout the last two centuries. So let's go over them just really quickly. Meditation. This is kind of what you talked about, Carl. Mindfulness. I would say that's meditation. Thinking about God in relationship to life and what I'm seeing. We talked about prayer. We're fairly, fairly sure what that is. Uh, Katie talked about fasting. Fasting is setting myself free from something that tends to fill a void that I want God to fill. So we might fast from food in order to say, God, I want to be hungry for you. I want to I go after you the way I go after food faithfully and regularly. We talked about study. Elena talked about the scriptures. What about simplicity? <clears throat> what does that classic discipline look like? Yeah, Bob Goff has a great practice. He quits something every Thursday. That's just what he does. He says, on Thursdays, I quit something. It could be something small like, you know, cutting out a dessert, or it could be getting off of the board of directors at a, at a you know, place that he's been that he doesn't need to be anymore. But that's a great discipline of simplicity. Solitude, I think we're all aware of that. I think some of you moms are going, yes, please. I want some solitude, right, Amy? Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> Yeah. Submission. How does that work as a spiritual discipline? Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think, too, we can learn to practice submission when it comes to other humans. Uh, you might find that there's a place in your life, either a, a team that you're a part of or within your own household, where you might tend to dominate and you might decide for a season, I'm going to back off. And, and kind of let others step forward, and I'm going to submit to what they say. Uh, I, I think a lot of times we have trouble forming small groups and getting into small groups and staying in small groups because we lack submission. So it starts to go away we don't want to, or it's harder for me to meet on that night, or I don't like the diet, but, but it, the discipline of submission can help us sacrifice so that we can stay in the game, so that we can stay in relationships. I would say, I think this is probably the center of our culture right now that's so difficult because we champion freedom above everything in our democratic country. Freedom, personal freedom. The freedom to do whatever I want every day as often as I want. Even this idea that I don't RSVP to an event because I want the freedom to do something else that night if something better comes up. <laughs> and we have this constant freedom. And to RSVP in a way is to submit. It's to say, I'm committing that night to go to this event. I'm submitting to the event. I will be there instead of being completely, fiercely independent. Service. 
Anybody have a regular discipline of service that for you is a spiritual growth experience? Yeah, Consuela? Nicaragua or, right. Yep. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Jane? Okay. Say a little bit more about that. Faithful friends. Okay. Great. Yeah. So there's a bit of a sacrifice, but yeah. Awesome. Carl? Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Good job. I won't ask you how often that happens, but good job. Does it happen a lot? Then I'll ask you. How often does it happen? Fantastic. Well done. That's a spiritual discipline. Yeah. And submission. Yeah. What would Jesus do? Yeah, he would do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Confession. Uh, we know what that is. Um, but do we have a discipline of confession? When we um, threw out many Catholic practices, we threw out some things that were amazing. And one of those, I think, was regular confession. Not necessarily to an unknown person who would represent God, but just a regular rhythm of confessing. Uh, I, you know, I would think on a Saturday night, it could be a great practice as roommates or, or as spouses to just kind of reflect on the week and confess what went on and say, I just want to, I want to go to worship tomorrow with a strong sense that I've been washed by the blood of the lamb. And so I want to confess, you know, to you this weekend and, and just help you help me receive forgiveness for that. So confession, worship, we're well of that. Guidance as a spiritual discipline and then celebration. What is celebration? Party. Oh, the hoedown. Yeah. What's that? Advent. Advent. Yeah, absolutely. Kristen? A birthday party. Yeah, a birthday party. Celebrating the birthday parties in our families. It's giving thanks back to God for what he had done. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Christmas. There you go. That's a time of celebration. Yeah, and I would suggest that I would hope more and more that on Sunday there's space for us on these mornings to celebrate as well. Yeah. Giving a high five. Giving a high five. Absolutely. Yeah, to Carl for being faithful to giving his wife a meal at 5 a.m. in the morning. Awesome. What's that? 5 p.m. Oh, okay. Oh, this is after she gets up from sleeping. Okay. Thanks for reframing that. Yeah. Jonathan? Yeah, you told me about that when you didn't get the job you hoped for, and that, that really made me go, what? It, explain that a little bit more. Celebrating celebration, uh, failure. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's brilliant. Isn't that a great idea? I love it. Yeah, imagine doing that with, with your teenager or your young son or daughter who right now doesn't like failure. <laughs> Corinne? Yeah, I, I hear you guys talking about it, just a deliberate reframing of what just happened and probably asking God to rewrite the story because the story that I'm hearing is a negative story and it's a story of loss. But does God have a rewrite of the story here that's actually a win? And I know, Jonathan, for you long term, it's ended up you now have, you're now self-employed and have much, the much better job than what the job you were going for was. So, right? So good. Love it. All right. So, where are we going with all of this? What I want to do, what we will do, (laughs) starting next week, is I want to start teaching on specific spiritual disciplines every so often, uh, every month or six weeks or so, and offer you some deeper and fuller insight of that discipline, and then encourage you to consider practicing it, changing your practice, or we're starting to practice that spiritual discipline, and so that throughout the year we are adding to the rhythms of our life, just some really deliberate living that hopefully will help us be the men and women of God that we want to be. And so next week, we're going to talk about Sabbath. And oddly enough, Sabbath is not here uh, on a rewrite of this book and others' books. These guys realize, wow, how could I leave out Sabbath? Sabbath is one of the most basic ones. We talked about it a little bit. We will talk about it at length next week. Uh, So my encouragement to you is to begin to consider this week, is there, are any of the things that we talked about something that that are deeply interesting to me or they sound good to me? Did someone today mention a discipline that you haven't thought of before that you might want to start? Or are you being reminded today of a discipline that you do have that you want to do better? Or would you consider, and this is something that I've been learning in the last year, doing disciplines together is brilliant. Just like running together or dieting together or reading books together is brilliant. And that camaraderie and that team that we have, these guys that are saying, done when I read my scripture, there's this accountability. You almost gamify it a little bit and kind of make it fun. Yeah, we we should do those things. So we'll consider how we can practice these disciplines together. And here's where all of this lands. Let's just look at one more scripture. And by the way, this is not Ephesians. I didn't change that. This is John 15, verses 7 and 8. Jesus said, But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. Ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are truly my disciples. And this brings great glory to my Father. This is is the outcome of everything we just talked about. Um, I've looked at this verse and that whole of John 15 many times and said, I want to do that, I want to do that. But so often I've not known how. I've just tried rather than trained. And the encouragement is not to try to abide in Christ, but to train ourselves very deliberately and very intentionally to, uh, to go deep with Jesus. And look at what comes out of it. If you remain in me, if you're faithful to me and my words, 
your prayers will be answered and what you desire will be granted. And you will produce much fruit and show that you are truly my disciples and you will glorify my Father. What I love about this is we're talking about some simple, practical actions to do day to day that have such tremendous spiritual implications. We can literally glorify God by fine-tuning and improving the choices that we make in our daily lives and the way that we spend our time. And the result can be intimacy with Jesus, the production of fruit, and the glorification of our God in heaven. Those seem like values that no other discipline in life offers. No matter how good a diet makes me feel or what kind of health it puts me in, uh, no matter what kind of endorphins get released when I run, nothing compares to this. The last thing I want to say is if we're going to add things to our life, we're going to have to subtract things from our life. And this is the the one place I think we kind of all have to begin. If you would agree today, I want to do more of this, the first thing you have to choose is what am I going to do less of? What am I willing to give up? And I think if you budget your life like you budget your finances, if you budget your time like you budget your finances, you're going to find you're spending some of your hours in kind of cheap places that are easy to give up. Uh, And wouldn't it be easy just to swap out certain hours that I really actually agree I kind of waste for hours that are spent in in this level of activity. So if you have a child in preschool, you need to go get them right now. And I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go into worship. Is that right? I said preschool, right? didn't say junior high this time. Good. I'm getting better. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that um, you've given us a free will, and it amazes us that you honor it so completely. You allow us to choose life and death. You allow us to choose waste or productivity. You You allow us to choose love or hate. And we ask you, Father, more and more would you fill us with the Spirit and give us strength to choose life, to choose love to choose to be productive, to choose to live lives that are deeply fruitful and um, deeply loving. God, we need your help. So we pray as we worship and as we consider this throughout the week that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, God. What can we quit doing? What can we start doing to be the woman of God that we want to be, to be the man of God we want to be? Guide us, lead us in Jesus' name.